Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of The Only Podcast. I am your co-host, Austin Smith, joined, as always, by your other co-host, Todd Kirby. You can find us on Twitter at ACSmith06 and at John underscore Kirby. And as always, follow the mothership at The Only Colors. Today is Wednesday, 420. John, first of all, happy holidays. Uh, And second of all, I'd also, more than anything, like to congratulate Michigan State on producing yet another first-round draft pick. Nia Cloudin. It's awesome. It's it. I don't know if people realize how hard it is for a WNBA uh, to be picked in the first round. They're only 12, 12 total, you know, and they're only, they're only 12 teams. So if you're a first round draft pick, that's really tough. So, I mean, it's literally like less than the lottery picks in the NBA. <laughs> yeah. That's like the hardest league to get drafted in period. Yeah. It's pretty no, awesome. Not only that, this is how hard it is to to make it in the WNBA. You you're not guaranteed a roster spot on the if you're a first round pick. I'm serious. Like there's no guarantees, so you could be a first round pick and not make the team. That's that's, that's how <laughs> that would be tough. That's tough. So uh, congratulations to Nia and congrats to the uh, getting MSU first round draft picks on the board. You know, Austin, I would say I'd like to continue the great news in the basketball mm. realm. Yeah, please. I can't. That's oh, what damn it. <laughs> I was thinking you were coming out of left field. I'm like, oh, he's got something. He's kept no. a surprise. No. 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 All right. Yeah, we're going to start with basketball because we want to get the, uh, the the less fun conversation going first and then finish with the fun stuff. That is football. But yeah, John, let's uh, let's talk basketball. Um, Somewhat breaking news, literal minutes before we're recording this here on Tuesday. uh, The latest addition to the portal, not coming from the football team, coming from the basketball team. uh, Julius Marble has entered the transfer portal and will look to play elsewhere for his remaining year of eligibility. He might actually have two due to COVID, but he's looking to continue his career elsewhere. Um, there were little rumors about this for the last uh, two days or so, so it's not, you know, super shocking, but, uh, it's, 
before we talk about the big picture kind of implications, because I think this speaks to a, a lot of other things that we've been talking about uh, and will continue to do so. Um, you know, both of us, obviously, everybody at Michigan State should wish Julius well. I think throughout his time at MSU, you saw some moments where he was a bona fide starting center uh, in the Big Ten. He was a really under-recruited guy and didn't play a ton of basketball, which some injuries in high school. But I thought he acquitted himself uh, really well for the majority of his time at Michigan State. But then really down the stretch last year when MSU needed a backup center, really needed one, he just – looked like he forgot how to play defense for stretches of time. And he had been such a good defender. Um, you know, it, it was a, a strange, strange development down the stretch, but uh, you know, Julius will be able, I'm sure to find a home somewhere and, and give good minutes, tough minutes, set good screens for and finish good dunks for uh, somebody out there. So, uh, you know, nothing but uh, well wishes for Julius as he looks for the next place to continue his career. So kind of a it's really it's a bummer to lose a guy like him. Yeah. At the same time, you know, you watched a guy like Julius and you're like you could see a lot of the positives and you could see some of the shortcomings that weren't his fault. It you know, when you're undersized, unfortunately he's probably in an in, in inch and in a wingspan, probably six inches too small for the Big Ten. Yeah. Game, right. And, and and if you're not that long and you are as strong, you got to really play the angles and, and be laterally quick. And I think that, you know, I think he can go find major run at, in other places. The Big Ten center position is just stacked. We've talked about that. Like it is yeah. stacked. And, and Julius was probably in line to be starting center next year. The bad news is, dude, there's no, like, you're like, okay, well, Julius had his shortcomings. I'm not sure how well he would have fared next year. Mm-hmm. The Big Ten. All fair. Who, well, who is? Because Matty Sissoko is right. the only big center left. And we saw, I'm going to be nice. We saw flashes of, 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 of uh, Big Ten center. We also saw a guy who was completely overwhelmed and not ready to play major minutes and it begs the question austin what now there are there are nine uh current players on scholarship on michigan state's team you can have 13 by the way <laughs> uh, still waiting to see, see what joey hauser does if he comes back um that would make it 10 and you got it and last year msu went without two scholarship players so it's certainly possible that Tom Izzo doesn't fulfill all of his roster spot, scholarship spots. And that's very confusing to me if that would be the case, especially from a guy who, without prompting, talks about winning a second national championship and you know not being done for a while. And like, weirdly, all of those comments are the only reason that I feel like I have, I'm not giving up. Because there's no way logically in my head one person can say all of those things and then pull a Hoosiers, all my guys are on the court and I'm only playing four. Like that's what you're doing. And this is like a multi-million dollar business industry. There's just no way rationally that this can be it in my head. I'm just not like to believe that. But what concerns me is that you and I feel the exact same way here. And the only reason we have confidence is 
because of just logic, not because of anything you're hearing from nope. people or rumors or sources. And like the last thing, I'm going to sound like such a D bag saying this, but like we follow this team pretty closely. We have our sources and kind of know things maybe a little before they become public. And I can tell you that John and I were talking before we recorded, we've heard nothing, nothing in regards to additions from the transfer portal. Uh, there's an elite assistant position that's currently unfilled, not a single rumor about that. Um, and it all just speaks to a, a seeming lack of urgency. And John, you're, you're so right. Like the, the one side of Tom Izzo's mouth says, I want to win another national championship and I'm going to be here for X amount of time, whatever. And then on the other side, you're, you know, even go back to last year, you know, you let as much as we may or may not like Dane Fife, I've never been a fan, but you let one of your lead assistants go to an in-conference rival, uh, which turned out to be the right thing to do, but still that's not exactly a ring endorsement. Um, this year, you have another lead assistant that ends up going to Western Michigan. I think we've said it before, like that's probably the right thing to do, but it's still like you're, you're, you're losing guys. You're not really, you know, last year you replaced them with a familiar face this year. Well, we really don't have any indication as to what's going to happen. Um, and aside from that, like, you're just not like you're looking at the scholarships and John, to your point right now, we have nine guys, uh, that could be down to eight. If Hauser and Max Christie decides to go pro, which you've heard that, I mean, talk about rumblings. It's one of the only rumblings we've actually heard. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's just this lack of urgency and that concerns, I, I think should concern the fan base. Now, listen, we're sitting here, it's mid April. There's plenty of ways to go. There are hundreds of kids in the transfer portal. Um, and so there's plenty of opportunity here. There's tons of opportunity for is it a hire a great assistant for them to get a couple guys out of the portal and put together a team that can compete in what should be a wide open Big Ten next year, a wide open team, wide yeah. open conference. But sitting here today, either Tom Izzo's got his program under incredible lock and key, which certainly is possible, or we're not hearing things because something's up. And there's a lack of urgency for a specific reason. And I think that, to me, is the actual concerning part is like, we don't know, we don't know. But like, it's not like you're hearing rumblings of, oh, Michigan State's reached out to these four assistants. Michigan State has flirted with these guys in the portal. Like, yeah, there's been names tangentially attached to a couple, but like, no one's, there's nothing concrete. And that's worrisome. It is. And I'm going to play both sides of this because it's fun. But (laughs) I will say Thad Mata got hired at Butler about, I think, three days before Dwayne Stevens took the Western Michigan job. Thad has filled out his entire staff. It took him 10 days. He's full staff and now he's out on the trail. It, we have not even had heard of interviews that have taken place for Dwayne Stevens yet. That is concerning, right? Like, mm-hmm. that seems confusing. Why you wouldn't just, and we talked about taking your time, so I'm going to give you that, right? But it, we're kind of, it feels like you're past the point of taking your time. At the, at, two weeks ago, we talked about take your time. And now, who knows? Maybe all the interviews have happened, but I will say in this business, 
college college sports, college basketball in particular, people have loose lips. They like to talk. People like to say they know things. And um, this is not an area for there's been too much talk. The obvious fit that we talked about, Tom Crean. Um, he very well could be the the assistant coach in waiting. If that's the case, then just do it. Like right. get it over with. So it's almost like the longer this takes, the more likely I actually feel like there might be a different face. And the other piece, and this is again with not a lot, um, we have no no information. But you know, I think on Twitter I was even playing around, joking around about like, <laughs> you know, Amani Bates hits the transfer portal and was like, oh my god, Amani, you know, is he going to come to MSU? And like, I don't even think that's worth talking about to be honest. Yeah, but, but but then I was like, but there are other, you know, are there other crazy plays in the portal? And these, I was joking about these, but like, man, Mike Davis at Detroit Mercy, get him and his kid Antoine Davis, who's the third in the nation in scoring last year, like package deal, or like Patrick Baldwin, senior at University uh, Wisconsin Milwaukee, he just got canned. His kid's a lottery pick projection next year. Yep package deal like let's go you know like i hate that i'm coming up with goofy scenarios that might be possible <laughs> just to get myself through the day because i just like let's just like come on let's go you know like what are we doing and i think the other sad part is you talked about there's so many guys in the portal to to reach out to right and it's so true but austin i would say there are probably and i might Four, it might be a, a stretch. Four guys that, in total, that could come in and play the center position in the Big Ten, um, yeah. not be overwhelmed. So, and MSU hasn't really been associated with any of those names. So, like, yeah, it's worrisome. That's what I'm saying. Is that's that's the part where it's like you, and and. We're not looking for Michigan State to be involved in every rumor or to just have random crap, th- crap thrown at the wall. But typically when you hear – like you keep seeing these lists. Every single time somebody enters the portal, you see like these eight schools have already reached out. Uh, I've seen MSU on – I mean like maybe when Terrence Shannon first entered from Texas Tech, haven't really seen much of anything since then. Uh, and I think there was maybe one – other one, uh, the uh, Jalen Bridges, the forward from West Virginia, who I believe is visiting. So like that's yep. one. Yeah. That's but but that's it. I mean like, okay, great. Like it would be great. It would be awesome to add him. But there are you need big men now. They are uh, intently recru- recruiting Isaiah Booker, who's in the twenty twenty three class. Um, he's been he was on campus last weekend, and. Uh, along with a lot of the football players we'll talk about. And apparently it went really, really well, That's which is awesome. Uh, he's, uh, you know, but at the end of the day, if he's going to be a part of next year's team, he's going to have to reclassify. And guess what? That's if Michigan State can land him. He's got yeah. blue bloods that are, start, I think Duke is throwing their hat in the ring, which is always great. Thanks, guys. Cool. Very um, cool. You can, yeah, that's that's sweet of you. Um, <laughs> so no, I want to stop and talk about that really quick uh, because – not only, all right. Here's a here's a goof around thought. Is John Shire to to uh, Ryan Day as Coach K was to Urban? <laughs> was Coach I mean, K holding dude, back? My you, have, you, you have to ask the question. My column on 
you simply wouldn't be doing your job as a journalist if you didn't ask that question. Yeah, it's infuriating. Like, no, I don't no, know. More, more on that. Do you know who just entered the transfer portal from Duke? <laughs> yes, Coach K's grandson. Shire's moving his ass out. I love it. Booker. <laughs> Listen, you should be I, terrified. As a I, <laughs> I respect the hell out of the move. He's like, oh, that old man's gone. Get out of here. Bye. Pack your bags. <laughs> and like, who's he going to go transfer? Play? Where, where did. Uh, um, Brad uh, yes. Take Brad swag. That's what I was trying to think. Brad swag went to Detroit. <laughs> yes, that's right. Get Michael Savarino to Detroit. I need I need audio of like John Shire bringing Michael into his office and be like, "You're out." He's like, "I'll call my." He's like, he cuts him off. He's like, "I'll call your grandpa." He's not gonna do shit. <laughs> what is he gonna do? He don't work here anymore. He's I, so funny. There's probably there's probably footage of the two like he's like got his arm around him at the end of the final four loss to UNC and if you get the lip readers on it he's like you're effing out of here oh. like, that's what he that's what he's saying <laughs> it's like you packed your bags right <laughs> we're just I mean obviously we're kind of joking I have no idea if this kid actually like wants to play college basketball and who knows yeah. Maybe he and could. also let's be very clear if we were the grandson of one of the greatest college basketball coaches of all time I would absolutely sit on the bench and take yeah. it yeah, and do the exact same thing this kid did also so. I would be pissed I'd be like please let me stay not on scholarship just yeah ring like this is sick I don't need to go play you know, yeah. for UNC Asheville, that's yeah. I want to be friends with all of these guys who are about to be millionaires yeah. in like six months. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'd like to do. Yeah, this is actually awesome. I don't have <laughs> any interest in going, you know, down like in playing at Bryant in front of a yeah. kids. Like, no. <laughs> so I have no idea what that's about. But anyway, we di- digress. Um, I guess maybe we could go get sell- that kid. Yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> we, but yeah, team team up with Steven Izzo. Yeah. Oh my God, awesome. So, okay, here's here's the positive spin on all this because we need something. You mentioned that there's no rumor of anything. I've got a deep rooted rumor that I won't <laughs> share, but that it would change everything. And is it made up? I don't care at this point. I'm latching onto everything, but a, a center that that no one would have expected potentially. And, and it's like kind of the dumb and dumber. It's like totally redeem yourself. Quote, yeah. this would be that. So I just refuse to believe Austin that like, I just can't logically put it together in my head that someone could run out this group of guys. But, but, but here's the thing, like we've made the comparison several times and, and I'm going to say it again and I'm going to caveat it at the end. But this is giving me very intense Mark D'Antonio flashback feelings. Like mm-hmm. being a uh, like rearranging the the chairs on the Titanic, not prioritizing big time assistant hires, and instead just moving things around, not being as aggressive, just kind of like losing your juice as a program. Quite honestly, since mm-hmm. Cassius has been gone, um, and when we, it, it's just so so diametrically opposed to what we're seeing in football, where it's like all juice all the time 
and we're looking over at basketball and we're like, wait, weren't you guys this flag bearer for this school for the last however many years, like 50 years? Uh, like, you know, so, uh, but I'm getting a lot of those end of D'Antonio year vibes. Now, I, I will say that I think this ship is significantly, significantly, to your point with one player, significantly easier to turn around than football is. Uh, with one addition. I mean, basketball, like you said, at most is 13 players on a team that are on scholarship. Like the percentages are just there. Football, it's way, way harder. Like you can't really recover from multiple bad classes in a row. It's just like almost statistically impossible to do. Basketball, you can pull things, you can turn things around with a significant internal development, which I think we have the opportunity to see with some of these young guys on the, on the, uh, on the team, but then B, nailing a transfer or two or getting a good freshman or two, you know, Jackson Kohler comes in and he's great. Who knows what happens? Trey Holloman is the answer and can shift Tyson Walker down to the two and Hoggards, you know, whatever. Like there's, there's all these different things that can happen. Um, but I just can't help, but get that same vibe that it's like, like remember when they made the, uh, the holiday bowl and played Washington state does, yeah. does winning one game in the tournament, and then losing to Duke as a seven seed not feel very similar to that. I don't see that. I'm yeah, just saying. I just it don't. feels that way. Hey, can we? Yeah. But it's a logic thing. It's it a really logic. Bummed thing. me out right now. What you did? No, 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 no. You're no. right. I said I would caveat that at the end. A, it's much easier to turn this around, and B, there's an entire off season for him to do it. But I have to come back to the line of thought where it's like I. I I need to see it to like believe it. The only thing we're clinging to right now is just like this belief where it's like it's Izzo. It's the same way with D'Antonio. You're like, it's D'Antonio. He'll figure it out because he has so many times and to such incredible levels of success. But if he like you need him, like this is the offseason. Like this is this is becoming a massive make or break potentially for the remainder of his career offseason for time is up because if you blow it this year if you bl- truly if they blow it they're going into next year handcuffed like they're not going to be able to win the conference they'll finish somewhere in the top six uh you'll have some good players but like you're not you're not winning the big 10 with this roster unless you make some significant additions to it and if you don't nail this assistant hire you're like if you hire tom cream which you know whatever you hire Tom Crean. You're not hiring a guy who knows how to work the portal. You're not hiring a guy who's young and has all of these great recruiting. Like you're, you're not doing what you need to do to liven this program back up. So you're kind of just sealing your fate and saying, we're going to ride this thing out as far as it's going to take us, which is going to cost you on the recruiting trail in high school. It's going to cost you on the transfer market. And you're just going to be what you're going to be until you hopefully find someone that can breathe life back in, or you find a guy like Cassius Winston, who was a mid fifties recruit turns into this transcendent player. There's a, you are pinning a lot on luck. If you decide to not do the things you need to do to revitalize this program. And like, this is the off season to do it. You have the staff opening, you have the roster spots open. There are good players in the portal at several positions of need. Like you said, John, not a ton of them, but they are there. You got to go be aggressive. And right now sitting here on April, what will be the 20th when this comes out, um, you just don't feel a lot of that urgency. So I would hope, especially given Marble leaving, that they clearly knew this was coming. This is a decision that comes from in, inside the program, that this is what 
kicks things into high gear. And then maybe we start to hear some more optimistic stuff about this, this team and this program coming up. Cause I, it's not dead, but it needs some life. It needs to have something breathed into it. I'm laughing because that's what I do and I'm uncomfortable. And I'm just, I'm the meme of the extreme bro. That's like straight up not having a good time. <laughs> like that is where I'm at personally. Uh, but like you said, I'm gonna I'm gonna positive this and if we need to wrap it up, the Michigan State backcourt is stacked. Stacked. Walker, Hogard, Christie, Akins. I'll put that up against most backcourts in the country. I'm mm-hmm. serious. I'm, I'm, and then we don't even know if Trey Holloman can contribute, the freshman um, recruit. You have four guys that are, are impact players, above average, Big Ten, national players. You are a Joey Hauser comeback, a Malik Hall to the three with Pierre Brooks, and a, stu- you know, a solid center. Away from being a top 10 team. I'm serious. I believe you. I agree. Now, three things have to happen there, right? Joey Hauser has to come back. You do land an impact center, like, that can start over Maddie Sissoko and play 20 minutes a night or more. And Max Christie comes back. So, like, those three dominoes happen very those are very big things that could all not happen, but yeah. but it's within the realm of possibility that you could have anywhere from a the demise of program to top ten team still on the board is all I'm saying. It, it's true, but like you just highlighted exactly what I'm saying, like exactly yeah. what we're saying here. Like the, the, you got to nail it because the both options here, both ends of the spectrum you just laid out equally possible at this point, but it is Tom Izzo. Let's spin the denial wheel and land on. It is Tom Izzo. So well, I'm, I, I hope so. Right. We, we challenge and question him. Not we, everyone, the fan base every year of the last 22 years, 23 about can this team get – can he get them out of their February doldrums? And every year he does. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, like – Yeah. So, he gets the benefit of the doubt. I know it's a completely different scenario. But if you if you pull the rabbit out of the hat 22 straight years, you got to earn a little bit of, of uh, you know – Yes. Something. And I'm willing to give him that. Now, if he was Rick Barnes or a second-year head coach or <laughs> – moron I, I just can't lend you that long of a leash i think we all have to give him the benefit of the doubt until until they trot out nine guys on the, in the champions class until he hires the ghost of judd heathcote to be his uh lead assistant and yeah we've got <laughs> maddie sissoko and starting at center so yeah until then <laughs> i'm i'm ready to give like, him the, or the benefit of the doubt I'm just like physically shaking, thinking about MSU playing Kentucky in the Champions Cup. Oh, don't do, don't do this, don't do this. It's my turn to tell you to stop. I'm just telling you, Oscar is starting for Kentucky. 
Stop. Yeah, don't do this. Don't do this. This you. is not. No, I don't want to. I'm. I am now officially left the chat of this conversation. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. And with that, we're going to pivot to football. But first, let's take a quick break. Three, two, one. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Then we're back. And guess what we brought with us, John? Some optimism. Wait, first of all, do we do commercials? Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I mean, I honestly don't know. That, that's oh, great. yeah. No, I actually put them in. Oh, cool. Sometimes. I don't know. I've heard sometimes they don't work. So uh, so <laughs> my, actual, my actual take on that is who's to say? I, you know what? I'm not too worried about it. Um, Clearly not a priority. <laughs> so um, with that, our lack of... <laughs> urgency we're just trying to meet the michigan state basketball team's lack of urgency yeah the on the flip side though the football team is acting with quite a bit of urgency Mm, Um, yeah i'm very excited to talk about this um the spring game happened or game in quotes the spring practice happened um and like thirty thousand people showed up austin (laughs) (laughs) yeah on easter weekend on easter folks there are 30,000 people who could not stand their families, and that I respect. And I, absolutely. Hey, listen, <laughs> we get it. Been there. <laughs> Good on you. Actually, I was, <laughs> I'm not sure what I expected. You know, I was like, I knew the weekend was going to be um, pretty important from a recruiting standpoint, as it always is. But let's back up. What Michigan State did from a recruiting standpoint. Oh, man unprecedented for Michigan State, one, for the number of you know, highly rated recruits that were on campus. MSU's never done that. They had, no. what was the final count? I think 18, four or five stars. Yeah, I mean, there were three 2023 five stars um, and one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine 2023 four stars, at least that I've got on this the count that I'm looking at. Um, that includes three of the commits, right. but it also includes, like I said, three five stars. These kids are all uh, defensive linemen, David Hicks, offensive tackle, Francis Mauagoa, and running back Ruben Owens. Um, all dudes with insane offer lists, all dudes that could play at any school in the country that they want, all guys that had very positive things to say about Michigan State after the fact. And like, this what's important to remember about a lot of these guys is these were unofficial visits that oh, yeah. they were on, which means you have to pay your own way. Hicks is from Texas, Mago is from Florida, Owens is from Texas. These other recruits are from we got other Florida recruits. We've got uh, DePape is from Iowa, the current commit. We've got kids in the 2023 class coming from Arizona, North Carolina, Tennessee. Dude, I mean, it's, it's in, like they're they're California even in 2025. We had some kids coming. Like there are. It's the place to be. I mean, people, but it's actually happening. 
It was Sorry. an event. Before we talk about that, let's just this this was what you see from Big Boy. Two yeah. things. This is what you see from big boy programs. When we talk about what does it take to get Michigan State to a certain level to compete for a national championship, these are the types of events that you have to have because these are the types of kids you have to land in order to realistically be in that kind of conversation and to not only have them come, but not do it on an official visit capacity, which Michigan State is allowed to pay for and put them up and all that good stuff, but to do it in an unofficial capacity where you are now like, I I'm going to pay money to come see this school on Easter weekend and to have them all do it the same weekend to just watch a practice says a ton about the type of momentum and just the type of job that this staff is doing. And I I think one of the things I love the most about it is that they are going for it. But I think one thing that may have held Michigan State back in the past was a just, you know, kind of the, the, the listen, it's it's never had until recently, like all the same resources as some, as some of these big schools. But I think a lot of the times uh, past MSU coaches really, you know, except for Nick Saban, honestly, going all the way back to him, Mark Antonio included here for the most part, like to kind of be like, all right, this is the type of guy we want. Here's who we know we can get. Let's go get the best guys that fit into this bucket. And that bucket doesn't always extend into the top 150 kids you in the country. And awesome. we're going after the top five. I mean, it's yeah. it's it's impressive. You know what it is? It's like you, uh, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Wayne Gretzky, Michael Scott. Exactly. Like, and no, I mean, no. like kind of a joke, like you're at, you're at the bar. And you're like self uh, zoning yourself away from like the tens that are there. <laughs> you're just yeah. like, why would I spend any part of this night doing something that's unattainable? Yeah. I'm going to just go with what I know. And and I feel like that's what Michigan State kind of did, right? And they also had yeah. no reason to walk up to the tens. You know, right. like, there was no, like we didn't have a lot. Go- we didn't have a lot. We didn't have a great line. We didn't have, we didn't have a great pickup line. We didn't have a great, just didn't have a, we didn't have enough confidence. Not much of a wardrobe. Yeah. Not much of a, no reason, no confidence. Right. And then insert Melvin swag God, and he has no problem walking up and he's, and um, I don't know, like, you know, and, and then there's, there's momentum in that. And I'm kind of making this analogy is kind of a joke, but at the same time, like, you date one very good-looking person. Other very good-looking people see that, and they're like, "That person must be awesome." Yeah. Right? <laughs> like, and you're not. <laughs> yeah. What's going on here? They like make you act, natural curiosity. That was first, a Seinfeld. Yeah. That was a Seinfeld app, right? Where George yeah. is the fake model in his wallet, yep. and he just would show it to people and be like, "Oh, this was my girlfriend. She died." Oh um, yeah. <laughs> And other like very attractive people were like, "Oh wow, you must be incredible." Yeah, what's like, up with you? Yeah, no, oh my God, that's I'm so joking. funny. But anyway, Austin, I want to hear your thoughts on, you know, not just the the different and the difference in the expectation. You already kind of talked about the this, these were unofficials, so you can expect a lot of these guys to probably take officials. Yeah, absolutely. Right. But I want to hear, you know, do you remember a time where there's ever been this much, I guess, the word juice around Michigan State? No, 
Uh, I, I mean, I would say that the only thing, and this is as somebody who was too young to experience the Saban years where they were landing Duckett and Rogers and Smoker, all of whom were top five or not five, but like the high four to five star recruits. Those were legitimately big guys to get. But uh, in terms of just national interest from a recruiting standpoint, no, not since 2016. Unfortunately, that class has an extremely bad reputation for deserved reasons. But that was the last time I remember MSU even coming close to being able to flex these muscles. And quite honestly, uh, that's even a bit of a stretch. Um, I mean, I can't like Malik, so Malik McDowell, for example, like I, when, when Malik McDowell decided to, to come to Michigan state, I th- I'm going to look up exactly where he was as a recruit. I believe, yeah, he was a composite five-star recruit in the 2014 mm-hmm. class. So that's what's even before 2016, but like, that's it. I mean, like him, William Golston, I don't even know how many more five stars visited this week alone three five-star stars visited from just this class. And that's, and it's not just that they're visiting, but these are dudes from premium positions. We're talking about the number one offensive tackle, talking about a top two or three defensive lineman, the number one running back. Uh, and it, it's just amazing. And it's not just those five stars, but it's the, it's the depth of guys that are here that are interested. I mean, the you look down the top 150 you've got the tight end jelani thurman from georgia you've got um the top 100 he's in the top 60 now Eno etta who has a ton of momentum behind him coming to msu you know wouldn't be surprised to see him join the team you've got linebacker from img academy jordan hall who's in the top 250 jalen thompson the kid from michigan one of the only michigan highly rated michigan kids uh the defensive end is is in attendance the one that stands out to me, though, that's just that's why I think this really shows like the level of like, oh, wow, they're going for it is the defensive back, Elliot Washington. Kids from Florida. He's currently committed to none other than Alabama. This is an Alabama recruit. This is he, he took an unofficial visit to Michigan State and apparently loved it. I don't know anything more than anybody else as much as I might like to pretend to, but we're talking about a, a top 130 kid in the country. Mm. That is a defensive back commit to Alabama. First of all, little surprise. They took a kid rated that low. Seems like Alabama might be losing a step, but the fact that he's even interested enough to come to Michigan state and take a visit, let alone hear really positive things about his impressions says incredible amount so no there's never been this much juice and and I, it's really interesting because i was reading an article i can't remember who wrote it might have been andy staples that was saying that essentially the class after your first full season like for a head coach the the class after their first full season is essentially indicative like historically of the types of classes you'll be able to build across you know, rating wise across the the duration of your coaching career at specific stops. You have to skew things a little bit for Mel because his first class was, you know, he was signed after signing day. I mean, he, he literally was hired after signing day his first year. And then last year with the pandemic is not really fair. He weren't able to have on-campus recruits, all that stuff. So this class really fits into that description. And we are not exaggerating at all when we say that this has every possibility to be a top 10 class nationally 
nationally across the entire nation. That includes Alabama, that includes the whole SEC, that includes USC, Oklahoma, Clemson, every single team. Michigan State could comfortably be in the top 10 based on the kids that they've had on campus. Um, you, and if that's the indicator for how things are going to be moving forward, it's it's pretty unprecedented. Actually, it's completely unprecedented from a Michigan State point of view as to the type of just sheer talent that you could see on the field. Um, and that doesn't even take into consideration the work, the amazing work that he's done in, in the portal. I, I think when you take a step back in a year or so, even this fall, I think it'll be very borderline hysterical to look at the team that Mel Tucker rolled out in his very first game as head coach at Michigan State. And then the team that he's rolling out literally two years later, it's going to be like almost varsity and JP just on sheer talent alone. It's it's pretty incredible. Um, I'm the opposite of the meme. I'm straight up not having a good time. <laughs> I'm, I'm, having a, I'm having a good time. Uh, <laughs> I am. I'm shocked. I mean, like, this is wildest dream stuff. You know, when you talk about where they, we talked about 2020 and where we are now. Granted, long way to go, right? But we talk, long way. we keep talking about, like, building a program is all about baby steps. Like, you don't get to become a national contender overnight. It takes a thousand steps. Whereas in basketball, it's not, it's a lot easier. It's more like 10 steps. You know, football is just so hard. But you're seeing it, and you're seeing it every day. New good news. You know, they did get a commit out of it already. Eddie Pleasant, uh, a three-star. He wasn't even there. Wasn't there. And he wasn't also, even there. <laughs> that's a kid who had offers from Cincinnati, Florida State, Tennessee, Penn State. And I think the, there's one um, consideration. One thing I want to talk through with you about is after Michigan State. After this week, or I would even say, yeah, probably by the end of this week, I would be confident that MSU is going to have a top 10 class uh, in the rankings 40% of the way through the cycle. We're not quite halfway there. But if at any point you're in the top 10 and it's not because you already landed like 18 recruits, like because you just have so many guys, I mean, MSU is is right there with, like you said, the Blue Bloods. I think the other piece that I want to talk with you about is it's not just star chasing, because what we learned is that they're evaluating guys um, and and are taking and they have a different board than maybe the the big boards that you might pay or see on 24 seven rivals on three. Like it's all a little it's all subjective. Right. Mm -hmm. But but I will say you can go. (laughs) There are programs. This is kind of really sad. There are programs, and I'll even just call them out, Texas A&M, Jimbo Fisher, mm-hmm. he start chases. Like, he, he goes to that site, like that staff, and is like, they understand that there's like a, a cloud association, too, not just talent. Yeah, oh, yeah. And, and to be fair, if you get enough of those highly rated guys, you're going to be good. Like, so Absolutely. it's not like really a criticism, but there's not a lot of, like, science, right? Like, you're not really saying, is this the best fit for my team? You know, things like that. No, it's the it's the most basic version of Jimmy's and Joe's. It's it is, we're it gonna is. take as many super talented dudes as possible and we're gonna make it 
work. Whereas I think what MSU has is, is I think they do have a lot of that in their philosophy. Uh, I mean, you've heard it a billion times. Colton Pouncey's got a brand made out of it, whether he likes it or not, that talks about the size and yeah. speed of the Mel Tucker recruits. So I think that there is a, a pretty substantial element in that. But, uh, you know, to use your Eddie, Ple- Eddie Pleasant example, Eddie Pleasant's a three-star recruit, you know, mid to high three-star recruit, um, depending on the service you look at. But there's another name that people probably know. We'll just call it out. Ryan Yates. Uh, he just recently committed to LSU. Um, was He's rated top 250 uh, in just about every service you can find. Four-star recruit. Clearly a good kid. Um, Michigan State, from what we understand, had the opportunity to potentially accept his commitment, but chose to prioritize Eddie Pleasant and maybe a couple other DBs over him, which is... It, as that is evidence of MSU having a system and an evaluation that they believe in. Um, now, whether it's right or not, who knows? Like, we're not rooting against Ryan Yates. I hope he has a successful career. I don't want any of these guys to go anywhere and have a and not succeed. I'm, and he's going to LSU. It's not like he's going to, you he'll know. Be, yeah, he'll be fine. So, but but I think it's interesting that MSU is at a point now. I mean, just think about what we just said. There was a top 250 kid that wanted to give his commitment to Michigan State, and they told him to wait so that they could sign somebody else. And he ended up going to his fallback school, LSU, which won a national championship three years ago. Uh-huh. Like, uh, yeah, remember that guy who started for the Super Bowl, you know, in the Super <laughs> Bowl this year for the Bengals? That was their quarterback. That's where this kid fell back to from Michigan State. And. And it, I don't know that that's going to happen a million times, but I think it says something about where MSU is, that it has the opportunity to do that. And and again, to your point, Pleasant, I don't think will be the last commit here coming soon. Um, yeah, we can go ahead and say some of the things we've heard, right, John? Well, yeah, but let's yeah, but let's keep t- hold that because I know okay. where I think where you're going. But I think there's something also to read into it, too. Ready? It's this is a sign that Mel Tucker is staying for a, a foreseeable future. No, if, I mean, yeah. If you're star chasing, you can get that kid and then you can in an interview next year say, I, I got the top five class. I can come mm-hmm. here and do the same. He's taking guys lower rated because he sees them as being better to long term players. Mm-hmm. That means he's going to be here long term. Right. Like. That's what I that's a takeaway that I have. I mean, that's such a good point. And to tie it back, like this was a critical offseason for and still is an extremely critical offseason for Michigan State in football, the same way it was in, is in basketball. I think what you've seen them do from a football perspective is take this opportunity and absolutely sprint with it as a university and as a program. Mel Tucker was getting connected with LSU school we just talked about. Alice Tucker was getting connected with other opportunities that might come open. And guess what Michigan State did? They ponied up. They paid the money. They made a commitment. I, To your point, John, this isn't the first sign to me that he's sticking around. I think uh, hopefully the $95 million guaranteed is the big <laughs> – is enough to keep him. Um, but, you know, he's like – but the university is like, listen, we're going we're gonna to play in the big boy sandbox. We're going to pay him like a big boy. We're going to let him treat this, make this his, and let him hire the guys he needs to hire. They lost a couple assistants, but then they went and hired Marco Coleman, tremendous hire from Georgia Tech. They hired Brandon Jordan, who we've heard about ad nauseum. Um, they 
promoted or to hired Ephraim Reed back. Um, Mel Tucker has gotten more involved with the defensive backs. I mean, I know I'm missing something there too, but like they have done such a good job of capitalizing on everything from a staffing perspective. And then from a recruiting perspective, I mean, you don't, listen, as is currently constituted, Michigan State doesn't roll out and win, roll out of bed and win 11 games every year. So this is not something that's going to, you know, hopefully that happens someday, maybe, who knows, but you had to capitalize on this momentum. You had to make this work for you. Uh, and they are doing that to a level heretofore unseen uh, and unprecedented at Michigan State. And um, they haven't slowed. They just they haven't slowed down. They haven't slowed down at all. And and what you're seeing out of this program that I think we'd like to see out of the basketball program, just to close the loop, is just that urgency that we want to go get this thing now. We want to take this by the neck and and run with it. So. Um, I am so excited to see that in what I, you know, like I said, there's recruits that are coming here soon. A couple, we'll, we'll, we'll tease it out. A couple of guys on the defensive line that crystal balls have gone in for recently. You can do your own homework that you'll be able to figure out uh, four star defensive linemen that, you know, who knows they might be Spartan soon. We're not really sure, but names you'll, you'll be very familiar with. Um, but it's not just those guys, but they're, there, I, I'm excited to see how this all translates to actually on the field improvement. And I love how just some of the things you saw in spring practice, they're being really innovative with the way that they're utilizing some particular players because they realize that last year is not the end all be all of this program. There's ways to fix what they did, what they what was done poorly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, as we hear us talking about this, like, I'm like, are we overreacting you know like are, are we you know like you know glass half are we like rosy eye yeah. being propaganda fluffy and i then i just stopped and i was like no dude we just spent 30 minutes lambasting the most the fifth <laughs> successful basketball program in the country like so no i i think this is legit and when, when we're if we're excited i would like to say that we're level-headed enough to not you know run with things unless there's reason to be excited I, they it's very real guys like this is real it's happening and it's not going to be i guess the only expectation or expectations i want to temper for anyone is that it the 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 momentum you're seeing now may not translate directly into this season like it, it everything's just take one more year you know in football it's not to say that this year's football team won't be for all intents and purposes it should be a top 25 team like yeah, that, that that you should expect that you should expect this team to to have an over under from Vegas on wins of about eight. Like, but but beyond that is the next big is are the big things ahead. I think and yeah, you know we talked about what has to happen for this program to continue to get momentum. You touched on it already. I thought it was interesting. Is um, you know, they had to use the eleven wins and parlay it into a top 15 class that's what we discussed offline like all all year it was like yep okay you gotta land a top 15 class you you have to because if you don't you know you already mentioned the the article that pretty clearly laid out how you will recruit moving forward and you have to i think the other half of that is i think we both agree you have to win eight wins this year minimum yeah i i think that that is an absolute must because because you know when i think of 
we'll go back to the example that we always use, which is Iowa. Like if you look at Iowa, they recruit somewhere in the 30s and 40s every single year. And that leads to being good when you have a group of upperclassmen that are good. When your best classes come up, those are your best players at your best positions. That's when you win 10 games. But if you don't like if you recruit at that level, it's you're going to be stuck in that level of circularity where when all the right pieces hit, you're going to be good. But if you recruit at a level that's top 15 every single year, your floor is so much higher. That's not to say that things can't go wrong. Absolutely not. But your margin for error is significantly larger because you just have more talent top to bottom. And that whether people want to admit it or not, makes a all the difference in the world. Why do you think, again, to, to point out a stark example, you look at what Georgia did to Michigan this year, or you look at what Alabama did to Cincinnati, although Cincinnati held in better than you would have expected. That's because one team just has dudes at a different level than another. And Michigan was a very good team last year. Very, I mean, they won the Big Ten. They blew out teams consistently, but they just didn't have the there is a level between that level of horses and what you saw at Georgia. And that's because Georgia is stacking top five classes every year, as Michigan stacking top 20. There is that difference every year. So if Michigan State wants to enter that level of conversation somewhere between those two schools, you know, you you have to continue to stack classes on top of each other. And the only way to do that is to is to win games. I mean, they, they can't fall back and be a four win team because what will happen is the recruiting will also suffer. And you would go from, Oh, great. You got this top 15 class, which you'd be lucky to hold on to quite frankly. Uh, but then you'd plummet back down because wins, wins breed optimism. People, these kids that are, if you were going to recruit this level of kid, they want to go somewhere and they want to win. They want to have everything else. They want to win too because they know that they could go to Clemson, they could go to Bama, they could go to you know Georgia, Florida, wherever, and win, compete for national championships. And uh, the only way to prove that you can can be in that caliber is to just go out and do it. So I would say that I would expect you know maybe a slight step back this year, but I'm probably drinking the Kool-Aid a little too much maybe because I don't think that the, the schedule's harder, but like you lose Kenneth Walker, which is obviously huge, but this team got a lot better in the front seven on defense and offensively they've added, you know, you're replacing offensive linemen, but I think you could be looking at a bit of addition by subtraction. I also think that there's still a lot of room to move, move around in the portal and some really, really, really good players available there. So I don't think you're looking at right now what the, uh, what the final product would look like. So it's, it, it, it's exciting. Well, let's talk about the, the spring practice itself, because there were a few things that happened um, that we think are of note. If, if this team is going to, get above that eight win threshold that yep, yep. the program needs to continue the mo the juice um to continue building upward it needed to fix some pretty obvious areas including the pass defense and one way to do that is to get the best defensive ends in the world and <laughs> that was an area of focus and you know you saw that with Brandon Jordan hire, super smart. Obviously, we've talked at length about how incredible of a hire that is, and might be one of the biggest hires in college football. Period, and I mean that sincerely, because uh, MSU isn't in the conversation with these uh, ten 
top 200 defensive lineman if he's not here. It's just, it is what it is. So you got that going. And then the other piece, Austin, you wanted to talk about the 425 and, and maybe a couple of things you might see change um, going into this season. Yeah, I, th- I think one of the areas that MSU has been stuck a little bit the last two years in the 425 is the nickel position. So for those who might not be familiar, the nickel is 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 kind of this hybrid linebacker safety corner role where essentially it's somebody who has to be a bit of a jack of all trades more often than not like this is somebody who has to be physical enough to come up and tackle but also definitely has to be able to cover and honestly has to be able to cover things like tight ends when they get split out so it's 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 a wild card of a position and if you find somebody there that's really good at it it unlocks a lot for a defense the, the last two years, Michigan State has pretty much played Michael Dowell and Darius Snow in that position. Now, those are two individually pretty darn good players. Darius Snow, I think we've seen a lot of really positive stuff from. The issue is that a lot, like we said, more often than not, that position is covering a running back or it's covering a wide receiver, like a, a slot wide receiver. And that requires a lot from coverage, uh, a lot of coverage ability. So, um, Snow, I think, is, well, you've seen it this spring. They've moved him down pretty much full-time to linebacker from that nickel position. Um, His instincts are more of that of a linebacker. He's a really physical guy, which I think was part of the appeal in having him at nickel is that he would come up and stuff the run. But you saw it so frequently that when he was in there, teams would just work on those little quick hitters, go up the seam, dump things off to the running back, and really move the ball kind of at will on this defense. So um, what you've seen is him shift down into linebacker, and uh, saw a decent amount of Chester Kimbrough uh, moving inside to nickel. So this nickel position is really kind of skewing back more towards a true cover corner role. Now, there's definitely going to be opportunities for other teams to expose that, like I said, by splitting tight ends out there. But, um, you know, in, in order for an offense, you know, every time the offense gets to make a sub and you see them go into packages with tight ends, the defense then also gets to sub. Like that's important to remember. And now that Michigan State has a, uh, and it just like maybe is using snow more as a chess piece to be split out at nickel, maybe in different sub packages as opposed to on you know standard downs where he's covering wide receivers. I think that could end up unlocking a lot. And really, this is all sort of made possible by the emergence of Charles Brangley last year and the addition of a mere speed at cornerback, the transfer from Georgia. Um, you know, it's you have to remember these are spring clippings and you have to be, you know, take everything with a little grain of salt. But every, I have read nothing and heard nothing outside of extremely positive things to be said about what Amir Speed brings to this defense. He's a legit 6-3. Pair him with Ronald Williams, who's a legit 6-2, and you have two huge corners, uh, big physical dudes. He comes from a Georgia defense that's as good as any we've seen in recent history. Last year is going to have like 12 kids get drafted um, and was a starter for that defense until he lost his job to like a unanimous five-star in Keely Ringo, who will be a top 25 pick in a year or so's time. So um, made the 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 game ceiling pick six in the national championship. So, hey, that's okay. You <laughs> That's all right. Um, but it, by having two corners you feel really good about it gives you the ability to to get Kimbrough honestly out of that outside coverage which he you saw him kind of routinely just get he's not the biggest dude so you saw him kind of outsized there uh in that position so moving him inside covering smaller shiftier receivers 
could really be a win for everybody. And then, like I said, having snow, you know, shift down to linebacker and be used more as a chess piece could ultimately unlock something in this defense from a coverage perspective that, that we haven't seen so far. And then on top of all of that, I think the, the pass rush, like you said, the defensive ends are big, but I thought some really interesting things we saw in the spring game. We saw um, a lot of Brule, Aaron Brule and Jacoby Winman kind of down, not interested in traditional linebacker positions, but sort of in like a predator look where you had two down linemen in Derek Harmon and Jeff Petrowski, and then Winman and Brule coming off the edge behind them. Um, we just saw some really exciting stuff like the chess pieces that this team has now. And, and Chris, uh, by the way, Chris, Chris Bogle, the other, the transfer from Florida is an enormous human being. Not sure if you saw him, um, but what this defense has done, I think what's really exciting is like, yes, they're going to play a four, two, five as their base, but they have added so many chess pieces. I mean, look at the linebacker room. It's gone from Halliday and Crouch, like literally not able to play Ben, Ben, Ben Samara because he was so stiff to now you have those two, you have Ma'a came back, you have Brule, you have Windman, now you have Snow. I mean, that's six legit, legit, legit linebackers. Um, it's not often that you discover a true sophomore who's one of the best tacklers in the Big Ten, and he's fighting for his job the next year because your talent is so has taken such a big step up, and that's what the boogeyman Cal Halliday is facing right now. So, um it's going to be very fun to watch and see how they, I, I think Scotty Hazleton is going to get the chance to unlock a lot of things that we haven't necessarily seen before. That is part of the reason why I'm so optimistic maybe about the over on the eight wins because yeah, the defensive, the secondary was not good. And I think that there's a lot of very small things that this team can do that are attainable that can help it improve pretty significantly. Right. This is going to be one of those years where I think the team is more talented, top top to bottom, like one through 85 scholarship. Yeah. Levels, um, but have a worse record. Very They're, possible. Right. You know, I <laughs> can't be overstated how big of a deal Kenneth Walker was. Right. But I think the depth is something you need to build to be a, a, a true contender. And I think they got there with the transfer portal. To be mm-hmm. a, a Big Ten, I, I think contenders. I don't. I don't think they're a front runner. I don't even think they're probably. No. But no, John. Top. Let me let me go ahead and stop you there. There yeah. is one front runner, and there will only be one front runner, sure. and that is Ohio, Ohio State. <laughs> Until further it, notice. Let's call it challenger. You know, sure. is this team a legitimate challenger? I don't know. I don't think so. Yet. I mean, sorry. I'll just say it. They're not. They, they sure. have a really nice much more talented team and one thing we were joking about is like how naive we were maybe during the antonio era and you know what maybe we we should have been because they did beat ohio state with rosters that had no business beating ohio state but like in all (laughs) things logic tells you you know to compete with ohio state you need you need top end talent and i think you're seeing michigan state jump into the talent level box of uh penn state in michigan yeah and then you gotta you gotta hang there for a minute continue to beat them by the way which has happened and and then you can start to talk about the next step which is maybe a couple of years away right is yeah that- you, you you gotta jump tiers one at a time and i'm, I'm completely with you there the the tiers of the big 10 really are 
Ohio State, the Grand Canyon, and then it's Penn State, Michigan, kind of in there. And then right, but right below that, you're you're talking Wisconsin, Michigan State. Um, and no one's going to like hearing this, but I actually put Nebraska talent wise is kind of right there as well. Maryland's not all that far behind, but uh, that you know, the, I, I think that what coaching matters a little bit too, though. Coaching matters just a little bit. So um, I, yeah, I. I I think MSU has the chance to jump. I think if they keep, if they do get the class that they are lined up to potentially get this year, um, you could see them enter that that level of talent. They could beat both of those teams. I mean, they beat both. They beat Penn State and Michigan last year. I mean, they they could easily do it again this year. Just because they're more talented doesn't mean you don't beat them. But um, in order to consistently be at that same level. You know, you just need the Jimmies and Joes. Michigan State's finally in a position where they have utilized both the transfer portal and just regular recruiting um, so efficiently that they've managed to go from legitimately from two and five, from two and five to like 11 and two and on the cusp of being legitimately in the discussion for the, the main challenger, challenger to Ohio State in a very short period of time. And that is I just don't think even <laughs> he gets paid enough to be recognized, but like, I'm not sure that Mel Tucker nationally is getting the attention that he probably deserves for the job he's done thus far. Well, and you know, people are just going to look at wins and losses too. So I think very the, true. the surprise for people will not be next year. Cause everyone will see MSU win, hopefully eight, eight games or more. And, and kind of be like, okay, Mel, you know, did, did they overpay Mel? You know, like, the right. wait until the 2023 season and you're, and then the 2024 season. We had, we had, you know, it's funny is kind of when they hired Mel, we were like, okay, how realistically is, how far away is this program from winning a national championship? Right. And it was, it was miles away. And then we kind of made a little outline you know, of how to get there in five years. And it was a, these were stretch goals. These are reaches, right? And it was like the first year, get a team together. <laughs> like get, have a have a season. Have a season. Truly, it was COVID. Have a season. Play. Uh, and if you can, if you could beat your rival, that would be incredible. They did. We were like, oh my God. Then it was like the next step was recruiting and, and wins. It was like recruiting, get a top 25 class. Um, they did. They got a 21st overall, and and be bowl eligible. That was the other thing. We're like win six games, yep. so that you so that you can have bowl practices and get these guys as many reps as they can. They won 11, so that worked out, right? And then this year we had kept you kind of heard us say it, but in passing. But this year the goals were top 15 class and eight wins. Well, yep. it looks like they are exceeding the top 15 class so far, and then the eight wins plus. And then the momentum continues. And then the goals for the next year have to be top 10 class at minimum. These are all at minimums. And then you're going to need to have probably, because the schedule lines up for you pretty well, nine wins and contending at the end of the year for, for the Big Ten championship. Yeah. And I, I really, yeah, I mean, I completely agree with you. Those are the logical stepping stones. And I think more than anything, 
I think your your assessment, and we are so early on the timing for these conversations, but yeah, I think if you only win eight games, but you don't have the worst ranked pass defense in the country and you see younger guys getting in and making strides, you can live with an eight win season. That would be that. The hope is that eventually that becomes an underachievement, but I think it's, it's, it's as much of, it's still only his third season. So it's as much about laying the foundation for the future and being aggressive in that foundation as anything else. Um, and, and listen, MSU should be in a position to be as talented or more talented than the majority of the teams that they're playing. Uh, that even includes, you know, they should be right on the on the same page as Washington when they go out and play them. Um, yeah, so it's it's going to be it's going to be fun. But this spring game just added such a such a real level of of excitement because of what it symbolizes and. Quite honestly, I think it, you'll you'll see some additions hopefully to this class and keep this momentum going. If you can keep it going through the summer and into the fall, I mean, you, you're start you're talking about starting to build out the 2024 class, you know, pretty soon here. So, you, and and that's one quick thing before we wrap up because I think we're about the at the end here. They're not just planting the flag with this year's kids. They have been reaching out to 24 and 25 kids mm-hmm. for years for for two years they've been reaching out to guys that are two classes ahead and building that rapport and that really is what makes the difference in recruiting is that level of familiarity and comfort and that's why so many coaches struggle to land that first class because they just don't have that they don't have that cachet now through the hires that that mel tucker has made like thomas wilcher uh, through just the, the, like Marco Coleman down in Georgia. I mean, the, the, the steps that they're taking to create these inroads that are now well-traveled and well-established, um, that's where it really starts to become a machine is, is when those, because you've had a lot of top 2024 kids on campus already. And even if this class ends up, you know, at number 15, I, I, I don't think it's crazy to think that classes will just continue to be better for the next couple of years and, and ultimately settle in in that 10 to 15 area every single season. So that's, yeah. it just couldn't be more exciting. So we started with, with sadness and we're ending with happiness. Well, I think there's <clears throat> opportunity to be, to feel positive about both programs, one, maybe more than the other. And I think the last thing that I'll, um, I wanted to touch on before we wrap is, Mel Tucker not only has been a great hire for all the reasons we've <laughs> wins, losses, recruiting, but also I think from a cultural standpoint, you already talked about the juice he's injected into this community, you know, as a whole. And I think there's another piece that is, I don't want it to be overlooked, is that culture includes doing things seemingly not just the right way, but to make that, but that make you proud. And I see these areas that maybe don't get as much um, spotlight and, and I and maybe that's shame on us shame on everyone for we need to highlight them because they're so cool is he's got the the academically these kids are, are doing even better than they have before they're hosting and, and promoting camps that, not just for kids but but like special needs kids you see it mm-hmm. these kids are now the Michigan State expectation is uh, to go and volunteer their time um, limited time they have to go help in the community. And then you saw it even more publicly this past spring game where the honorary <clears throat> captain was uh, Brenda Tracy, who is the the leader of, of Set the Expectation, um, who, who, if you're unfamiliar, um, is, is, is someone that um, at, 
candidly was was highly critical of Michigan State and rightfully so of of you know all the unfortunate sexual misconduct assault the, the entire Nasser situation we can't just pretend it didn't happen right and and because of that and her courage and voice and criticism you know it was mishandled at the beginning and you see Mel Tucker as the face and leader of the football program not just listen and hear her embrace her and bring her in to be a part of things so not just to make sure that those things never happen again uh but but to to be a leader in the space you know to to make sure that you michigan state can be uh, a, a a thought leader a beacon of how to do things the right way in that area because we fell short and i was just really proud that he made her a captain and she's fully embraced it and and she um is quite vocal about um, how, how good of a situation it feels like things are headed, not just with the football program, but maybe Michigan State athletics in general, uh, in big part because of what Mel Tucker, Tucker did. I'm just really proud of that as a Michigan State community member, and I think he, everyone should be because of that. Yeah, I couldn't agree. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, he's setting a great example on and off the field, and that is something that shouldn't go unnoticed by by fans and alumni and supporters of the team, because that, you know, there have been gaps in that before that have uh, led to some extremely unfortunate circumstances. And the fact that Mel and the rest of the program are taking those seriously and going to great lengths to bring um, awareness to those causes is something I think everybody should be proud of. So well said, John, very, very much agree with you. Well, do you think we should um, sign off and come back next time with, I'm going to guess some incredible basketball news. I'm, I'm just uh, love putting that. a crystal ball out there for it. Love that. We're going to put out some good vibes. We're going to come back with some good basketball news. And if we don't, we're probably going to be even sadder, potentially to the point where we're asking people to give us Tom Izzo's phone number so we can just ask some, ask, just ask some questions friendly, very nicely. Um, but if that doesn't happen, hopefully, you know, hopefully we can avoid it uh, coming back next time. But yeah, John, let's go. Good vibes. Put them out there. Sounds good. All right, guys. Thanks, as always, for sticking with us. For John, it's been awesome. We'll catch you next time. See you.